to the Tag Your It podcast, and uh, where we have been doing for three years now, since uh, we had a secret birthday, where we have been doing for three years now what everybody in uh, Christendom is having to do. It's coronavirus. So I am Ray Ray. And I'm Dave. And you are at the, uh, you are in the coronavirus series of shows from the Tag Your It podcast. So guys, thank you uh, for being a part of this. Uh, Dave is, again, not in the studio. Um, he is, I guess, not just busy, but he is uh, self-isolated there because of the laws of the land that is going on yeah. right now. Um, and so, uh, you know, we're all talking about coronavirus. Uh, why not another podcast uh, surrounding coronavirus? Um, it's what we're all going through. We need to talk about it. We need to take it seriously and that's what we want to talk about tonight it'll be cool uh one day adam we will look back on these shows and be like oh yeah we remember during the pandemic when we had to self-isolate this was the series of shows that we did and uh yeah this is what we covered and so this will be kind of a nice uh memory in some ways you know one sad thing is you know, uh, we don't get to, I don't want to put it like that. When we do these shows that are much more focused on essentially the, uh, the coronavirus and how we're dealing with that, we do set a, uh, standard for some, uh, well, essentially we date our programs, right? Um, that's one of the negative things that happens with this, but Here's the great thing about presuppositional apologetics that I think is really important. You deal with the current issues of the day and present a pattern by which you continue to contend for the faith once delivered in that methodology. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I mean, uh, if we're if we are exhibiting eternal truths, like I said, I think on the last program, um, just about teaching, um, or maybe it was a couple programs ago. Um, if you eternal truths will fly throughout history. And so you'll see these eternal truths spoken in. So like things that may be universal reaching down into particulars and how they work out. Um, this is why we can go through history and, uh, see God work. Um, this is why, you know, post, post apostles, you know, like we can go, um, years after that 1600 years or 1500 years and see that God actually did move in the, in the reformation. And that it wasn't just a movement of man, but it was a movement of God with man because God is with us. Jesus Christ said that he would be with us always. And so we see how that works out. And so as we uh, come to um, this coronavirus issue, that is a worldwide issue. You know, it's not just a local thing going on. You know, we we are going through all this um, as the world is globalized. Um, you know, and so we'll see these eternal truths reaching down deep. And so a thousand years later, whoever's reading the history books on this one um, will hopefully hear um, about the people that were preaching the sovereignty of God over all things, um, that God is good no matter what. And they'll be like, every time that something like this happens, everybody freaks out. But there is these people, you know, we don't we can be like Elisha and not, you know, and, and listen to God. We uh, we are not the only ones. God has his people, God has his remnant, and they will be preaching the gospel, and they will be doing what God has called them to do throughout history, and they'll see it a thousand years from now, if the Lord tarries. So anyway, um, we've got this, uh, this article. Um, the, it's an opinion article, and that's what you are definitely get, getting here, is definitely an opinion. Um, it says, the religious yeah. rights hostility to science is crippling our coronavirus response. Um, just from the gate. I'm just going to tell you right now, because of our uh, Greekness, we America, Western civilization is based upon Greek philosophy. I'm sorry to tell you that. And, uh, you know, you cannot believe in a deity all you want. It's the fact that you might be saving a step and you're still acting like a Greek. It's just you, you are God. Um, you don't have to relate. You don't have to send everything out to a uh, bigger 
um, really creation. That's what Greek gods were. They were still created. They were still um, beings that were bound by time and chance. Unfortunately, even though if they were immortal, they were still temporal. Um, that's why they don't make sense and why they can't make anything intelligible. Um, but the the reason why this exists, why this this opinion exists, is because of that philosophy of of a realm of ideas, <laughs> you know. And so, because Christendom, undefined, um, subjectively defined, exists, and that's the only way that we can make sense of all the opinions of man, if that's it, this is the only reason why this opinion exists. So the religious rights hostility to science is crippling our coronavirus response. Yeah, so a few things real quick on that. There's kind of a subtitle where she goes, Trump's response to the pandemic has been haunted by the science denialism of ultra-conservative religious allies. So what she's putting forward there is an assertion that those on the religious right, first of all, deny science. And because they're a bunch of science deniers, these ultra-conservatives are proving to support Trump in any anti-science movement that he makes. A few things that are really key to that. She does not define any terms here. Science denialism. What in the world does that mean? Does that mean that I deny any objective, provable scientific opinions or what weighing mechanism by which should I do I evaluate what is true science and what is true science isn't only according to your standard because actually in reality science uh is not just one concept there are multiple opinions and even those within the scientific community don't agree on everything so she basically says my opinion of what is scientific has to be the primary position. And then, of course, ultra conservatives. Who in the world are ultra conservatives? Because guess what? There are individuals who are theologically conservative who actually affirm climate change. Do you, do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so to group and make these broad brush categories is not only deceptive, but demonstrates an, a hostility towards anyone who would claim the name of Christ. Because at the end of the day, that's what Catherine Stewart hates. She hates anyone, and that's right, hates anyone who would claim that Jesus Christ is king. And so that needs to be forward right away before you even jump into this piece. She hates anyone who would claim that Christ is king and the ultimate redeemer. And she should just jump right out of the gate and say that, because that's what she's doing here. And as Christians, we do need to embrace articles like this. And I say embrace, we need to speak truth into them. And of course, the only position that can do that, in my opinion, is the, uh, again, presuppositional and the consistent Christian proclamation. Yeah. So, you know, and, and that, I mean, I think that, uh, uh, leads us into um, what we wanted to talk about um, also tonight, and it's a uh, meme theology that we'll get to. Do you have anything uh, more to say on this um, this uh, article? Yeah, so she jumps yeah. into it. I'm yeah. just going to break down yeah. a few little pieces, if that's all right. So oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. She jumps in, she basically says about Christians and about those who are Trump supporters, which again, she now presupposes that anyone who is a conservative evangelical is a 100% Trump supporter who pushes everything behind whatever Donald Trump says. She says, a movement that denies science, bashes government, and prioritizes loyalty over professional expertise. We're all reaping what that movement has sown. Yeah. So actually, what we see in this article, at least from my standpoint, is she's creating, and if you read the entire article, all she does is actually advocate an informal fallacy of the post hoc fallacy. Because there's a bunch of non-science affirming people who are Christian conservatives, a term that she likes to throw all these, again, ad hominem attacks, basically saying they're a bunch of non-critical thinking and uh, they are science deniers. They are, again, ultra conservatives. They are religious nationalists. Again, a term that she uses 
are the reason that the coronavirus is so bad. All she's doing, if you study church history, all she's doing is is she's being needed. And we're having uh, connection issues again. Oh, man, I'm sorry yeah. about that. <laughs> but yeah, all she's um, doing is what? Yeah, all she's doing is becoming Nero. Yeah, She yeah. is going to the first century and blaming it on the Christians. Yeah, and so, uh, and, and, and here is, there's a definition of what Christian is, but is it the definition of Christianity? That's yeah, the and, question and, to ask. Painting with broad brushstrokes, and she never actually funnels it down to what are Christians. What is what is the religious nationalist movement? Are they all a bunch of evangelicals? What are evangelicals? Again, these are terms that she really doesn't define in her piece, and, and it's incredibly important that we recognize that that occurring again. The big problem with what Stuart writes here is something you're going to see happen over and over again. It's post hoc ergo hoc fallacy. Yeah. It's an informal fallacy. Because Christians are part of Trump's bandwagon, they have now caused the coronavirus to be as bad as it is. Yeah. yeah. A and simple then, thing. And this is a lady who has an article in the New York Times. Yeah. And so we're not, you know, we're we're not going to actually blame science, right? <laughs> you know, we're not gonna yeah. blame um, anything, anything else on on other issues. We're going to point it out. So um whenever we're, you know, I guess, I guess what I ask other people, um, on the outside of Christendom, um, you know, what kind of arguments are you using? Are you being scientific? Are you by the same standard that you're holding people up to, um, in your argumentation, are you, um, holding yourself to the same standard? And here's a person that's not holding them to the same standard. Cause I'm sure this person would, uh, you know, would hold themselves up. I am being scientific. I am doing this. I'm doing this. And therefore I'm doing this. And so yeah. this is where, you know, uh, Christ comes in and, you know, the, the judgment in which you judge, you will be judged in like manner, <laughs> you know? So, you know, we got to be afraid and, and people need to understand they need to be afraid whenever we, whenever we broad brush, um, all this kind of stuff. And it basically, it's just a, it's a fit, uh, to be thrown. And it's just, again, um, like you said, Nero, um, blamed all the bad things happening in the, uh, in that time on Christians and lit them on fire. So, you know, I don't want to go down that slippery slope, but you know, if we're going to take history as anything, um, we need to, we need to consider that, you know, whenever we're looking at the attitudes of people, especially as Christians that know that we, we are totally depraved and it's only by God's grace, um, that people are not as bad as they are, as they could be. Hostility to science has characterized the more extreme forms of religious nationalism in the United States. The hardcore of climate deniers is concentrated among people who identify as religiously conservative Republicans. The Christian nationalist movement, like those allied with the Cornwall Alliance for Stewardship of Creation, which has denounced environmental science as the cult of the green dragon, has cast environmentalism as an alternative and false theology. The issue with someone like Stewart is really simple. She paints with broad brushstrokes, attacks evangelicals, groups every evangelical into one group, uh, one massive category, and blames the virus and the spread of the virus on them. Well, what about those evangelicals who aren't meeting because they're trying to do everything they can. You yeah, know, and I mean, then she I, goes in, yeah, and she does say not every pastor is behaving recklessly, of course, and not every churchgoer um, in these uncertain times is showing up for services out of disregard for the scientific evidence, far from it. Yet none of the, uh, of the uh, benign uses of religion in this time of crisis have anything to do with Mr. Trump's expressed hope that the country would be opened up and just raring to go by Easter. He could, of course, have said by mid-April, but Mr. Trump did not invoke Easter by accident, and many of his evangelical allies were pleased by his vision of packed churches all over the country. So again, here she's blaming Christianity that she doesn't even have a really correct definition of. <laughs> yeah, well, she's and, ignorant. Again, yeah. you and I talked about this before the show. She's extremely ignorant. Uh, Christians don't celebrate Easter. Easter is a pagan holiday. Uh, to 
Oostris. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. have really struggled to pronounce that name, but uh, Oostris is a pagan god that has a holiday that Easter was actually connected with. Christians don't celebrate Easter. We celebrate the resurrection, right? It's yeah. Resurrection Sunday. And anyone who doesn't know that is obviously ignorant of church history. And, and I'm not saying that to be mean. That probably sounds a little harsh. But the reality is we don't celebrate Easter. She should know that, right? Yeah. Uh, Christians yeah. should know but that. But the thing is, further. she does recognize that not every pastor is behaving recklessly. So what is the difference? Yeah. What is the difference between the pastors that are and the pastors that aren't? So is there a definition of Christianity in there? And so instead of deconstructing something without actually building anything, um, yeah. she could be like, I wish, even though I'm not a Christian, here's my understanding of Christianity. And here's why, um, you know, I see that there's these people over here and there's these people over here. What's the difference? Yeah. Well, but I mean, <laughs> she goes in on a tirade because of yeah. prejudice, because there's a prejudice here. Goes off yes. on a tirade to then just blame Christians. Yeah. So very serious issue with that. And again, I would say very clearly, she does not. Okay, so for her, the difference between a Christian nationalist and some of those other Christians is what? They're not meeting on Sunday? I mean, seriously? Uh, again, we shouldn't be surprised by someone who's going to critique critical thinking and say Christians don't think critically and then present herself as one who doesn't even recognize her own use of informal post hoc ergo, ergo hoc fallacy. So really problematic. And she's in the New York times. They should be ashamed of themselves. Yeah. And I mean, unfortunately, <laughs> again, like the meme we're getting ready to get to the difference would be, um, these can, these, uh, Christians are agreeing with science and the other ones aren't, but then going down the uh, wrong field of going, well, see, it's not their religion. It's science that's causing them to do this. And then you go. So like, again, this is a uh, why presuppositionalism is so important is because you got to realize what is your foundational principles and to make something intelligible, we can stack evidence all day. Yeah. And we can come up with a narrative and a story all day based on those assumptions. But is it true? That's the thing. And only, it can only be made true if the triune God exists as revelation and all that is our starting point from which to move right. out of. Um, other than that, it just becomes subjective gobbledygook, which then is that Greek philosophy where you have particulars with no universals. That's right. And this is why we have these opinion columns in the New York Times um, the way they are. But, you know, this is the, um, you know, th this is just the rhetoric that's going on. And this is why we've got to be salt and light and actually uh, teach um, people the commands of Christ. That's right. Go. Amen. Yeah. So I don't know if you want to move on to the yeah, meme. Yeah, let's go ahead and yeah, jump let's on go the into meme. the meme since I've mentioned good. it like three times now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we'll move on to the meme here. But yeah, so it's time for meme theology. And tonight it's a special meme theology because it's definitely Presup What's Up. So Presup What's Up, meme theology. <laughs> so, so i'll describe yeah. it and then let you yeah. uh, kind of break it down here at first uh yeah. for those of you just listening on the podcast what we have here is a picture that says pray as much as you like dot 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 they use uh yeah an ellipse after that only science will save us an ellipse after that and then there is a jew a christian a muslim and then a doctor standing there with a can of disinfectant yeah. um so adam i'm gonna let you knock it out here at first man i think i kind of uh hogged the mic there at the oh. first that one <laughs> no no you're you're good um but you know this goes back down to this is why it's precept what's up pray as much as you like only science will save us well you get rid of the creator then you get of any reason why saving even matters so, yeah, you want to be saved. So uh, the dinosaurs went extinct, right, because of a comet. They, well, they didn't have science back in the day, did they? Well, I'm Adam, sure they had some sort of animalistic reasoning, right? I mean, we had to get reasoning from somewhere because we came from them. That's right. But we would have had Guess what? The dinosaurs were gone, and guess what still happens? The world still turns, goes around the sun, though you might say, oh, you know, my people in the past didn't believe that. Well, 
the Bible doesn't contradict that. So no, no worries there. Um, but you know, here's, here's the big thing. Pray as much as you like. Only science will save us. Thank God for science. Thank God for the scientific method. Thank God that he made us in his image and made us reasonable creatures and made the world to be known. Why? Because he wanted to be known. And it's this creation that is screaming that he exists, that you do know him and you're suppressing the truth. So this, this argument has no, no weight to it whatsoever. It's just a prejudiced argument. Yeah. So the first thing I would say here, Adam, is again, look at this, a informal fallacy of category error. Yep. Look, either that or you're claiming that science is in the same category as religion. Yeah. You which call is science again, religion? <laughs> a really serious issue. Yeah. Um, for multiple reasons, because then you would say, well, and then actually I do think that there's a little bit of consistency here. Um, you recognize that without a, well, as Christians, we would recognize very seriously, without a God, you have no basis for science because you lose the, again, you lose the ability to claim that the future should look like the past. You likewise lose any universals that are timeless and that are changeless, and therefore you can't even conduct science because you have no reason upon which to base the ability to do science to begin with. Yeah, and I and mean, you, so, can, you, can, you can put a naturalistic calculator together and punch numbers into your naturalistic calculator and get naturalistic answers. You can get numbers. But it's all that whole time has already had an a priori interpretation at the very basis of plugging in those numbers. So that's all you're doing in, in, in the scientific method, Use, utilizing the scientific method with a philosophy that is unproven. It, it, I mean, this is one of those things that I have in conversations. You might say this is the best you have, but you can't even say that. It's, is yeah. it the best you have? It's what you think. It's your opinion, but it's not, you know, it doesn't have to be true that that's the best you have. <laughs> so because you're presupposing your reasoning, you're presupposing your eyes, um, you're pre presupposing that, you know, like, cause we have people that are red, red, green, colorblind, right? They can't trust their yeah. eyes, <laughs> you know? And if, uh, you know, yeah, if it wasn't for a community, but then again, why should somebody believe your, um, opinion on what their eyes see? You know, it's like, Hey, your shirt's brown. No, it's red. No, I believe it's no, no, it's brown. No, it's red. I see it's red. And then who's right? You know, yeah, you get a crowd around there, but you know, why should I believe revelation from other people? Again, this problem of solipsism, I guess, uh, comes into play there. Um, but when we come to interpreting science, scientific facts, you know, um, we start with the scriptures because they presuppose a God that is infinite um, in knowledge, um, infinite in sight, um, knows all things from the beginning. Um, from the beginning, he knew the end. Um, not just because um, he learned something in some sort of logical fashion is because he decreed it to be the end from the beginning. Um, it's what he's doing. Um, so the Bible's revelation presupposes that. So whenever we move, we can move out of knowledge because it is given to us by an infinite person um, that can reveal such things. Um, but whenever you open up the book of nature, you're just stacking evidence. Again, you can stack bones, you can stack rocks. Um, you can say they reification by reification. Um, you know, you can, you can say they, the evidence speaks for itself. No, you're speaking for the evidence. So what I see, Adam, when I deal with a meme like this, obviously, you know, we share memes because we laugh. We think they're funny. We think they prove a point, right? That's what people share them. As a Christian, when I see this meme, I would say again, First of all, fundamental categorical issue uh, because you've made a mistake uh, putting science and religion on the same stage. So either you have now recognized that science is your religion, and if that is the case, then you're demonstrating that science is based on faith, which I would actually tell you that science is based on faith, a faith system, a belief, because you are going to believe every time you 
participate in the scientific method, you're going to fundamentally believe that the future is going to look like the past. Therefore, you're going to say that behavioral things, that things in nature, things in the physical universe behave consistently, but you have no basis from which to um, assert or affirm that that's going to be the case. And therefore, you uh, are, again, bowing your knee to the idea that you can't operate without some type of faith system. And so that's one of the things that I would recognize, at least from my standpoint, when it comes to uh, when it comes to dealing with something like this. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, Any other thoughts on that? No, I think we pretty much killed it. I mean, it's a uh, it's it's just that same argument that's going to go over all the time. And just to show you and prove to you, um, there's nothing new under the sun. This is something said all the time. It's just, you know, here's the contextualization of the same argument that doesn't work. <laughs> you know, science, yeah. science will only save us because um, the God that provides a knowable universe that is uniform. Thank you after the flood, God, for your promise to keep it, <laughs> you know, and, and keep summer and winter hot and cold um, until you call the world to become new. Thank you for that so that we can do these things um, and we can have dominion the way that, you know, he wants us to have dominion. Um, yeah. You know, so that's that that's a big thank you to God. But, yeah, you know, science will be a tool to use to save us if God so chooses. But then that's again, right. science also um, kills people. Right. You know, people that are scientists uh, build uh, bombs or at least come up with theories to come up with some ways that then people use to build bombs. So science yeah. um, can save us. Science can kill us. Right. So, mm. you know, <laughs> you know, but yeah, why, you know, it, and man. what's the difference between that, the person doing the science and the person using the product of science. That's right. Yeah. So um, now we'll kind of flip on to a little bit more of a pastoral issue, because one of the things that has been big recently has been, you know, whether churches should meet or not uh, during the coronavirus. And I just want to jump to just a few little passages in scripture, right? Um, Adam, I, I hope you don't mind me doing this. because, I, Like I was thinking about this um, for me as a pastor, right? Um, First Baptist Buffalo suspended service. How long did we suspend service? Well, we said that we were going to follow the directives of our school district because we think that they've been making good decisions. Uh, we're going to follow the, the directives of our go of our governor and our local leaders and our president, who's asked us to be um, to love our neighbors as ourselves. Right? The yeah. The so second just commandment. Guess, yeah. The, the throw it out there though um, to make it clear, it's not because of submission. It's because you've heard the call, and from yeah. your understanding of scripture. Um, what God calls us to, you know, it's, again, it's, we, again, our, our aim in this is not just to bow down to the said government, but, yeah. you know, here's, here's some facts here. Here's what's been going on and here's how we can serve the God and serve neighbor as we are commanded to. Um, so and wanna, and, you do, and yeah. you're doing it out of the heart of that. You're not doing it because yeah. it's a commandment of men, but there is right. biblical, um, underpinnings to uh, the will, biblical foundation to your decision. I will give you the biblical foundation for my decision. Um, Matthew chapter 12, um, Jesus actually heals the man with a withered hand in the synagogue, right? Mm -hmm. You're familiar with this passage, right? Yes, sir. And uh, what happens is in verse 10, Jesus says, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him? Verse 11, and he said, which one of you who has a sheep if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and lift it out. How much more value is a man than a sheep? So it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Christ said that it was lawful to do good on the Sabbath, right? Yep. After he healed a man. He essentially was breaking the Sabbath for good. Right? Mm -hmm. But Christ said that protecting life on the Sabbath, doing good to heal others on the Sabbath, that wasn't breaking the Sabbath. It was the right thing to do, even if 
it did violate the normal pattern of Sabbath observance. Now, this isn't a, a, an apples to apples comparison, but when I say as pastor with other church leaders, because we don't have plurality of elders at First Baptist, uh, which I don't think is, again, this is not to be critical. Um, it would be great if we had a plurality of elders so that I could meet with these elders and we could, as one voice, articulate this. But right now, because we're still in that transitional phase, um, me and key leaders, uh, myself and key leaders, have said, you know what? We want to protect life on the Lord's day. And the best way for us to protect the lives of our senior adults and any of those individuals who might get sick, the best way to do that is for us to suspend the normative meeting. Now, we would still encourage any group, in fact, I have encouraged groups to get together if they feel so comfortable to do so, get together with a few people in a small group, um, uh, groups smaller than 10, and meet and look at and watch the sermon and discuss the sermon together. Like, totally good. So Jesus said, essentially, disrupt the normative pattern if it's going to do good. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 13, what to submit to the governing authorities. So if the government commands us to break God's law, I would tell you, we need to obey it. Acts chapter five, verse 29, right? Exceptionally good point. The government's not telling us you can't participate in the Sabbath. What it's, or you can't participate in the collective worship of the saints. What it's saying is don't get in groups a bit larger than 10 to meet. Because we don't want people to get sick. We don't want this virus to spread. So God permits us to break from the commanded pattern of Sabbath worship in order to protect the lives of others. And, and I believe that that's a key piece, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I believe that that is a really important thing for us to recognize. Um, Matthew twelve twelve. Thus, I believe we should obey the government as they implore us to protect the lives of others by not gathering in large groups. Finally, Matthew 23, 23, as I kind of build my defense for this. And uh, Matthew 23, 23 is another example where Jesus is dealing with the Pharisees. And in Matthew 23, 23, Jesus says very clearly, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. The Pharisees were insisting on keeping these ceremonial laws of, of tithing met, and dill and cumin, but they neglected the moral law of justice and mercy and faithfulness. In my mind, we must never insist on keeping a positive ceremonial law assembling for church if it means that we're violating God's moral law. Mm -hmm. Don't murder. I mean, our Puritan forefathers, they taught the same principle in, in effect, right? We are not meeting at First Baptist, and I would tell you, I would affirm any other church that is not meeting to continue that pattern simply because we're protecting lives. And that's why this is an important thing. And I would tell you to, to listen to your elders in your church. If the elders in your church have said, we're going to break your, into smaller groups, we're not going to meet because as a church body, our leaders have said, we're going to do the best we can to protect. Man, I would tell you to trust your leaders, trust your elders, trust those who are trying to protect the sheep. Man, there's nothing more you could do to affirm we're a church together. We're going to, as a church, prioritize loving our neighbors and doing so in this way. Now, such a key piece. So, Adam, I hope I didn't. Oh, no, 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 no. It's, uh, I think it definitely there needs to be as many people speaking um, about this right now um, to still comfort the, the uh, congregation um, to give the defense um, to... Um, anybody who would ask about this, right? <laughs> you know, yeah. even believer and unbeliever alike, you know, that we need to make sure because we need to be intentional. What does like, what does the Christian life look like? How do we live? What do we do whenever these things happen? 
And because we live in a fallen world, um, things are going to be different from time to time and disrupt the normative nature um, of things. And so, you know, yeah, we do want to protect, like I've said um, in the last episode, you know, if this goes too far, if uh, it's three months down the road and it's really minimal that people are getting sick and, and there's death, but they're still keeping us from getting together, then we need to speak up. You know, they're, you know, depending on what the results are and what the numbers are, if they still, like, if they're, if, just say if everything's still hysterical and they're keeping us apart, we do need to stand up as the church and be like, okay, we're done. We're going yeah. to meet together, you know, but we've got to take it day by day and be prudent and uh, just make sure that we are, you know, like we are turning the other cheek and we are, we are obeying arbitrary man's laws that are we can still say are good by our definitions and showing grace That's instead right. of shooting each other. <laughs> yeah. Because and, we're supposed to love each other so that the world knows that we are Christ's disciples. Well, and Adam, and so, that brings me yeah. over to an article in the Christian post. Um, yeah. Greeter is first coronavirus death in Arkansas church where 34 were infected. Now this is a story um, from Cleburne County, Arkansas. The greeter at Greer's Ferry First Assembly. His name was William Barton. He was 91 years old. The church is meeting. This is actually early, you know, on in this um, situation, right? But here's what I want to actually point out, right? This is, of course, last Tuesday. The pastor of this church spoke to the press. And here's what he said as he's recovering from the coronavirus himself. Here's his plea to other pastors, a guy who's lost someone in his congregation. He says the intensity of this virus has been underestimated by so many. And I continue to ask that each of you take it very seriously. An act of wisdom and restraint on your part can be a blessing that preserves the health of someone else. This brother lost a greeter in his church. This brother got sick. And what is his plea? Not, oh, hey, you all keep getting together. It is, dude, friends, love your neighbor. Yeah. Do something to help. Yeah, the, uh, so, yeah, he's saying this is here. And so um, was this the... Was this the one that uh, happened like before all the real big mess broke out? Um, this this group actually met. Yeah, when you look at yeah. the uh, th this article, it seems like this is like right around the fifteenth of of March, right? Okay. They're meeting yes. probably right around the fifteenth of March, and this guy regrets that they were doing it, right? This yeah. guy regrets, and here's something that's really interesting: individuals like. Um, Catherine Stewart and those who are attacking these uh, evangelicals and saying this is all their fault, they're not listening to the voices of people uh, like William Barton's pastor, right, yeah. who are, are pleading. Uh, pastor Mark Polensky, who's pleading, don't meet. This guy knows what it's like to lose someone in their congregation. And what is their voice? Oh, we're so glad we met. No, it is do something about it. Stop this. Which, again, brings me to another Christian Post article, this one published today. Nearly a fifth of religious Americans are still attending worship services. Nearly one in five United States adults who consider themselves religious are still attending worship services amid concerns over the coronavirus pandemic, according to newly released research. Guys, this is crazy. Mm -hmm. I have not attacked anybody who has met, but at this particular point, I think it is so, so disrespectful to your, not just your congregation, but to the people that they live with and come into contact with. And I would tell you biblically, I think you have a better defense of meeting in a non-normative fashion as opposed to, we're just going to keep on doing this because we don't care. Right? Yeah, Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, I mean, Adam? and 
And and you know with with other other things that we've seen and other articles that we have, you know, people that are still meeting together, are they looking to their own cleanliness laws that they should be listening to, or they might yeah. be dispensationalists that don't, you know, they really don't care really much about the Old Testament laws and how great um, the laws were in Israel at the time, especially at the time whenever we didn't have um, science in the same way um, going around. So, you know, God revealed to them really awesome cleanliness laws. And are you, are you, are you encouraging people to come and not worry about it at all? Yeah. And, and having people come in and, you know, hack and cough and sneeze in all that kind of stuff and not really paying attention and, and, and spreading a message of wash your hands and, uh, be mindful, be extra mindful, you know, like in, in winter time, you know, winter comes around and, you know, there's kind of like a, maybe sort of a sort of consensus that, you know, in the winter time, that's when usually people get sick and all that kind of stuff. And, and there are certain times of, of, you know, certain seasons where there's sicknesses and things going around and we do sort of up our awareness and up our, you know, our self-awareness on, Hey, I need to wash my hands a little bit more um, because of this. Um, oh, of course. But are, are we saying, are, are, are you as a church going, you know, if you're sick, stay home, but not just saying if you're sick, stay home. Cause you know, people are prideful and people don't care. And so you still have to lead your sheep because remember we're sheep <laughs> you so, know? Yeah. and, uh, and, and make sure that you're going, Hey, that person doesn't look good. They're not their Their voice doesn't sound right. You know, let's, let's please just ask them to go home respectfully right. and offering to give them a ride home just and, and going out of your, our way to go, go home. So, you know, but the thing is, is what we're seeing in a lot of these cases is, is just a total um, and, and really we can see it in the, a lot of little uh, weird charismatic situations where there we have people that um, are believing bad theology and working out of that bad theology oh going, we don't have to care. That's but right. unfortunately um, for them, the scriptures talk about, you know, if there's a sick person among you, put them outside the camp. Yes. Don't Scripture infect says that. Your, your camp. And so that's exactly right. So you have to care. You know, Paul said to Timothy, he talked about the t- scriptures where the Old Testament scriptures where we can find everything that we need for salvation, for life. That's right. Oh, this is part of life. Uh, cleanliness is part of life and not, you know, being a leper and spreading your leprosy everywhere is a part of your life. And so this is where, you know, and, and I know I posted, a, I shared a post that somebody posted that, you know, I, the optimism coming out of, of coronavirus, this whole thing that's going on, you know, my optimism is hoping and praying that this destroys that sort of stuff, that this destroys Bethel, that this destroys any of those um, faith healers. And like, I hope people leave in droves. I know that people will still be deluded. Um, I know that God sends delusions like he you know on people um to you know people that are already hard yeah and he will harden them even more like he did pharaoh you know and and, and keep them there because that's what they want that's what they deserve these kind of this is why this really just irks me as a as a believer right these groups that are saying in defiance just straight up defiance because right now that's what it is I, i i promise you it is not as much about as convictionally, I've got to be at church. It is, I don't care. Government's telling me that I can't meet. That's not what the government's telling you. The government's telling you meet, but in smaller groups. So actually, hey, pastor, how about you figure out how to bless your congregation? Hey, church, how about you figure out how to minister to your community? The worst thing that you can do is to say, nah. Who cares about my community? It's more important for us to get together, us 50 people, us 500 people. It's more important for us to get together and not worry about how we can bless our community and minister to our community and actually, as a group of Christians, demonstrate our resilience for the gospel by demonstrating we care enough for our community that we're still going to gather in small groups. We're going to care for our church. We're going to be faithful to gather together through a non-traditional means in order to help demonstrate the love for Christ that we have in our, for our community. Yeah. I cannot, 
I cannot measure someone's convictional uh, desire to gather. But I can tell you right now, I love being in church. I lo- it hurts me not to gather with my believers. But you know what? I say with my fellow believers. But you know what? I love them enough to know that a 90-year-old person might say, I need to be at church. And guess what? My four-year-old doesn't even demonstrate that he has the coronavirus. And because my four-year-old wants to run up and sit in their lap, that person dies. Who is that on? Me. I committed manslaughter. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 So, yeah. And and so, like, you know, we have a lot of people that are that are doing this. And so, you know, what is the only what is the only answer to to even the people that profess Christianity? What do we need to do? And it's again, it's going to be the simple, profound preach the gospel. What is the gospel the gospel for because of the law? Is the law still, um, is, is their laws still in, in the sight of God still active? And they are. And, right. uh, this is, this is our, you know, this is a working out of, um, some of those things we need to be looking to. And, and so, like I said, everything that happens is theological. Um, this virus is theological. What we, right. what we need to do is do the theological work on, you know, you know, there is people going, why? Oh, in times, times, in times. I know it's been the end times since Christ ascended. That's right. Um, but, you know, you don't have to go to doomsday. But we don't have to go to doomsday, right? We can go, what is God telling us now? What's God showing us now through the, through the natural stuff? Remember, everything Adam, speaks of God. And what do we need to do? And we need to preach to these people. And we need to, hopefully, and it's one of those things that because of what they're doing, because they're not loving neighbor, they're being exposed as not you, Christ followers. They're being exposed as narcissistic, arrogant people. I don't know one pastor, Adam, Adam, I don't know one pastor who is not actually making a massive sacrifice for the betterment of their church. Like for the health of my church, yeah. I am, I'm, I'm, I'm not I'm like, I'm not going to, this is not a, oh, Dave, let me like say how great I am. Adam, your pastor, Greg. Mm-hmm. He is making a literally a career sacrifice to protect the health of your church. Greg is saying, I care so much about the well-being and the health and the life of people in my church. I'm not going to meet. I'm not going to let my church meet. This might mean that my church goes bankrupt. But I love my church and the people of my church and their lives. And their ability to go on in the next 50 years to do missional things for the kingdom, I don't care. Yeah. That's what he's doing. Yeah. That's why it's an important thing. That's why those of you who are part of churches, you need to be supporting your pastor like never before. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's serious. It's for your good, for your protection. And, and, And that's why these folks who are bringing these 500 people in their churches and finding out that 43 of them are sick with the coronavirus. Shame on them. They failed their jobs. They've disqualified themselves, in my opinion, according to scripture, uh, to protect their flock. You might say, oh, Dave, that's awfully mean of you. What about some of these other folks? Man, look at, look at John MacArthur. Look at, look at John Piper. Listen to some of these great theologians. Gosh, listen to what they have to say. Stephen Lawson, right? I mean, I could go down and name all kinds of pastors that I admire. But just look at common sense. If if the if the if the NBA is better at loving your neighbor than Gravel Road Baptist Church, shame on Gravel Road Baptist Church. Yeah, yeah. And there's, and I mean, this is the time where people are seeing it. I've seen posts from unbelievers, um, militantish unbelievers on my Facebook page where, I mean, they, they said what you said in a, in, in their way. Um, but you know, there is the recognition in common grace, the truth, um, that we need to really have people considering these things. And I understand that, um, you know, I'm still you know, we, there will, we'll have differences and we'll have like little under, you know, discussions about this. But like I said, um, we need, 
to give grace and uh, take this serious enough. And like I said, there will be a time where we need to draw a line if it continues. But for now, because what happens is in this whole thing is everybody is operating on a lot of unknowns. And even the other side, the side that is pro-science and anti-religion, they're operating off unknowns. That's right. And uh, but they're being just as dogmatic about a few things that we need to talk about, too, in this coronavirus thing as well. But we need to be slow to speak and quick to think. And so even if it takes two to three weeks to think, we need to think about it and we need to take precautions that are based on God's law. And we're doing it. That's right. And so God is pleased. Not, Agreed, not not for us our salvation, but we are pleasing God right now. And I think I think you know, and, and a lot of this, you know, I think if we talk to people, this is where we can be salt and light to the world. This is where we can be exhorting each other. Is is making sure that we are contacting people the way that we can contact them and reassuring them that this is okay. Because I think definitely, whenever traditions are hit, um, you know, we re- we have that knee jerk reaction. So we need to tell each other this is okay this is okay. You don't have to worry about it. And I understand like you're, you're fighting, like you've been to church every Sunday for 40 years and now you're gone for two weeks because of this. Remember it is not the government that told you, yeah, they recognize something, but you can make sense of if it's good or wrong, if it's right or wrong, you can make sense of it based on what is the law of God and what is okay and what is not okay. And you're being okay. So let's just calm down and, 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 study and pray and seek God because this is what God uses. <laughs> this is what God used in the past and it doesn't keep him from not continuing. You know, he'll still use these things now to right. call his people to repentance. We still need right. to repent. We That's are right. not, we are not there yet. We need sanctification and we need to use this time for sanctification. I need this time to organize and I, I need, I, I got, got, I got kicked in the pants with uh, switching gears from going to work every day <laughs> and, yeah. oh, and not having much to do and like going, what do I do with myself? You know, I don't identify myself with my work. So, you know, I'm not so like, I'm not bad there to where it's like, I can't barber. Who am I? You know, I'm not there because I know I'm in Christ and I, I can do ministry and stuff like that, but this is definitely a switch in the gears and I have been slow to switch gears. And so I need to get off my butt and go, you know what? Use this time for ministry. What can you do? And, you know, luckily there's some things um, going on that I can do that. But, you know, that's you, the uh, grace of God. But, yeah, you, you know, this is this is a call to repentance. This is a theological thing. Call to repentance. Let's let's and let's exhort each other. Let's be the church together separately and use this non-normative time, this temporal time to do what we can do. And like I said, we need to also go, is there what do we need to do when we need to draw a line? Does it, is it going to get to that point that we need to draw a line? We'll see. And so worry about today because today <laughs> has enough troubles. So Travis asked, how would you answer those who try to say God's providence will determine who gets COVID-19? So we're going to meet anyway and trust God. Well, that's the same thing. Uh, that, that, that's just the, <laughs> that's an awesome question, Travis. Cause you, you, you know that, that, and I know, you know, um, but that's the same question as asking, you know, should we evangelize because whoever's saved is going to be saved and who's not going to be saved is not going to be saved. Yeah, that's true. God's providence will determine who gets COVID-19. But, but that doesn't mean that we, yeah, go for it. Yeah, Sorry. It's called compatibilism and it works in this situation. We don't know. We are finite beings in a fallen world. We do not know. And so just like we evangelize. Um, knowing um, that somebody will believe or they won't believe, and it's not because we did it, we said it right, and that we got the right facts together. Um, but we do believe that they are saved by the work of God, and so you know we don't know who's going to get COVID nineteen and who you know who is who isn't. Um, but we still take the precautions to go. You know, I'm clean. I distance myself. I don't. Uh, you know. Again, why does Italy have such high numbers? Because they are a very touchy-feely culture, simply put. So, you know, we need to back off from that. But, yeah. I just appreciate the way you answered that. I think that was so good. I'm going to pat you on the back right there. Uh, I'll I'll, I'll pat myself on the back for you so it's not a pat on my back. 
from myself as from you. <laughs> Brother, I, uh, yeah. Uh, and I was going to say, um, Travis and I had an amazing conversation on Sunday. I know he's listening, so he can. Uh, we could have opened the book on it today, and I wish, kind of wish that we would have been able to. But it was essentially um, how we delineate the natural, excuse me, moral evil and natural evils, and how God uses natural evils to accomplish good. And how does that not make God the uh, responsible agent within natural evils, judging righteously? Yeah, yeah, definitely. God is the first cause. It, sin would not exist if we did not exist, right? That's right. Basically. Um, yeah. But then the, he uses secondary causes also that it's, you know, our, our, um, you know, he gave Adam and Eve a choice and they chose to rebel. Right. right. Now, yeah. after Adam, we, you know, the, the, the problem in that argumentation is that, um, that, you know, like I've said in the past, uh, especially with Adrian Rogers is he seems to skip over three to get back to where it's you and me are just like Adam now. And I think that's the, uh, provisionalist, um, mindset to where, Oh, I need to turn off my music here real quick. Cause I left the outro music on. Um, <laughs> but anyway, um, we're not, you, you can't use that. You know, we are following people who are s- slaves to sin, slaves to our sinful nature without that. Um, but definitely he uses secondary causes that are responsible, um, apart from him. I yeah. mean, we talk like that all the time, you know, even though, yeah, I'm, I'm responsible for teaching my kids to do certain things and not to do certain things. But, you know, if they, did I cause them, you know, if, if I leave the room, a room that say an empty room and it has one socket in there, if I have gone out of my way to go, we don't do that. We don't do that. And I put a plastic thing in there and I go, see, I don't want you to do that. And this is what God has done for us. Um, he's given us sufficient things um, to deal with. And he has given us sufficient enough information. And he has given us sufficient em- enough things to not want to go against him. Yet we still find ourselves being stupid and figuring out a way to pull out the piece of plastic to stick our finger in there anyway. You know, and am I responsible for my kid doing that if I leave the room after sufficiently educating and explaining things and the kid ends up pulling the uh, plastic plug out and putting their finger in the socket? I'm not responsible. No, I I went out of my way. Now I'm responsible to take care of the kid afterwards and not be a jerk (laughs) and act in grace out of that, And which is what God did too. He was very gracious um and what he did after the fall but yeah i'm you know secondary causes are responsible god's not not responsible yeah right on brother i think you hit it right in uh, uh i'm gonna have to head out and head home uh, all right yeah uh, yeah we went we went an hour um with yeah, the podcast and everything so we'll uh we'll come back and uh, i mean like i said we're still wrestling with coronavirus and i'm sure the next, you know, I'm, I'm barred from working for 30 days. So there's still like 27, 26 more days to that. So, um, we'll have time to study. We'll have time to get stuff together and I'll be still wrestling with coronavirus, um, for another bunch of days. So, um, we'll come back to this topic. Um, I know that we had a NT right article to deal with. Let's uh, deal with that soon. Um, because that definitely needs to be dealt with when we're talking about bad theology during this time. <laughs> So, but yeah, you guys, thank you guys so much for being a part of the uh, Tag Your It podcast with us tonight. Um, we hope that uh, you guys are having fruitful discussions and um, making disciples the way that you can, utilizing the tools that you have. Um, again, if there's anything that comes up during this whole thing that you guys want us to discuss, um, um, we will definitely take it. We have time to read your stuff and deal with it on the program. So let us know um, what you'd like. Other than that, share this, like us, do all that cool stuff, share it with a friend. Um, and you again, utilize this time to go in our backlog if you'd like. We got over 125 episodes of the Tag Your It podcast um, during our three-year uh, tenure so far. And we uh, say, Lord willing, we'll continue three more years and uh, enjoy it. So um, with that said, I uh, this is the Tag Your It podcast. I'm Ray Ray. And I'm Dave. Soli. Deo. Gloria. Gloria.